Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Ginger London Ministry Show. This is Minister Ginger London. Thank you so much for joining me on this uh, early evening. As you know, we are doing a a special series of shows during the month of March as we celebrate women during National Women's History Month. And so I'm so excited. We've been interviewing entrepreneurs, authors, uh, women who uh, have a great testimony that they want to share with us, as well as, uh, you know, uh, women who are, are making a dent in their community by doing great things. And so we have a, a, a few more uh, to go before the month is out. But on today for this show, we are blessed to have with us uh, Chantel Johnson, who's going to be joining us. And if you uh, saw the post uh, on Facebook, we put out there uh, a couple of posts out there to let you, get you all excited and get you ready for um, for her. She and her husband have co-authored a book discussing the topic of dating and marriage from a male and female perspective by which they address real issues that couples face on a daily basis. And we know all people, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you're in a relationship, something's going to come up, you know. Um, And um, even if something doesn't come up that's major, you still have to learn how to relate to one another. And so the title of the book is His and Hers, Bring a Marriage Together, Keeping It Real About Dating and Marriage. And I thought that was very interesting. His and Hers, Bring a Marriage Together. And so... What they do is they use their platform to, uh, uh, as a married couple to impact the world through marriage relationships by putting a dent in divorce, and that's an awesome work that they're doing. And so I want to uh, begin uh, by welcoming her to the show. Uh, welcome, Chantel. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you today? I am good. Thank you so much for joining us and coming on the Ginger London Ministries show to be interviewed. We're so excited about having you with us, and um, and so we know this is going to be a great show. Every show has been just phenomenal up until now. so we're excited about um, as well about today. And so I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and share your testimony with us to get going yeah, on this show. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. First of all, I want to tell you that I really appreciate this opportunity to be able to share with the public our hearts as relates to dating and marriage. And so, um, like I said, my name is Chantel Johnson, and I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And my husband and I, we relocated here to North Texas about four years ago. And um, I'm actually an alumni of Southern University. Hey, Jack. Yes, yes. (laughs) And so we actually, matter of fact, we met each other on Southern University campus, and so we definitely have that connection there. And so, uh, so we're we're just really excited about the journey that God is taking us on, and and what He's beginning to do, and He's really putting in our hearts to be an av- advocate for dating and marriage relationships, particularly for marriage relationships, because of the fact that they're you know the divorce rates today are, are so high. And, you know, and basically people today are really just giving up on believing our, you know, that their marriages can be successful. 
And so my husband and I, we've been married for 16 years, and we have three beautiful children. And so we, we definitely, God laid this journey on our heart about two years ago, and it's finally coming to pass, and we're just so excited about what God is doing. Amen, amen. So uh, it's it's a wonderful thing. So tell us about your journey uh, to becoming a Christian writer. Yes, well, I've been saved since I was 18 years old, and so I've served the Lord for quite many, you know, quite a many years. And my husband, he actually was, what, you know, people call it PK kid. So he mm-hmm. basically have grown up in the church, and so we both had a foundation of having a relationship with the Lord. And so we definitely know that that is a driving force in our marriage, is having God first in our marriage. And so when we came together 16 years ago, we purposed in our heart that we wanted our relationship to be what God wanted it to be and what he has ordained it to be. Because, of course, you go to the creator. He's the one who created marriage. And so that was something that we had purposed in our heart. And and, and even during that time, God, I really believe, was setting a tone within us, letting us know that, you know, he was going to use our relationship and that he was going to use us because, you know, we was coming at our our relationship from a totally different perspective than the norm. And so we believe because of that, it has cultivated our relationship into what it is today. And so that, I would say that journey started 16 years ago, and so it's now manifesting into the point that God has used us to write this book as well as do marriage intensives and, you know, retreats and so on. And so we're we're just truly excited on what God is doing in our lives. Amen, amen. And so uh, your, the title of your book, book is very interesting, His and Hers, uh, Bringing a Marriage Together. So how did the title of the book uh, come about? Well, it's it's like a, it's a two-part because a lot of times people, you know, feel as though sometimes when they go into marriage that, okay, I'm in love, you know, he loves me, I lo- it's just going to automatically work itself out. No. Both people have to be willing to bring forth to the table. And so really when two individual people, complete people, come together, basically what they're doing is they're molding their lives as one, that marriage is being brought together. And so that's kind of the direction of the reason why the book was titled His, Hers, Bringing a Marriage Together, because the male has a perspective within the relationship as well as the female. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes when you have those different perspectives, they kind of bump heads. And so, but for couples to understand that not to allow those um, those conflicts and that, that difference of opinion to tear down the relationship, but how can you bring those opinions together to cultivate the relationship? So that's basically how, you know, the, the title of the book came about is uh, Bring the Marriage Together. And the subheading is Keeping It Real About Dating and Marriage because we want to address real issues that couples face on a daily basis, and that was something that we really wanted to bring to the table from a male as well as a female perspective. Wow, okay. And, I, you know, when you really think about it, uh, especially if um, uh, if you're uh, used to either ministering to um, um, 
couples, whether or ministering to men or women who are dating somebody, and you know, whenever they are challenged, if you will, in the relationship or an issue comes up, you know, usually there are uh, two perspectives, and you know, it's the female and the male. And as we said on another show, sometimes it's learned behavior. You know, our perspective comes from what we've been taught to perceive about uh, relationships, and so um, there is a need uh, for people to be. Um, if you will, we'll say re-educated or we'll say uh, have they need a transformation through the renewing of their minds, you know, so that they can uh, do things differently. You know, sometimes you have a heart's desire for a better relationship, but the, but the mind is not telling you the correct way to do relationships. And so it's not working and sometimes people can become frustrated. Um, so um, how long did it take you, um, take you and your husband to write the book? Well, well, when we actually started writing the book, we both were in grad school, and, and that was definitely a challenging year and a half because both of us were in grad school full-time with three children working full-time jobs, and so it definitely was the grace of God that got us through that season. But nevertheless, God, he has been faithful, and he got us through that. And, and actually, we went back to school for um, a Master's of Art in Human Services, and our concentration area was marriage and family counseling. Mm-hmm. And so we found that during that time, when we would, you know, talk on the discussion boards, we'd do our research papers, and we really dove into the area of marriage and family, we found that it was, it was something that just came natural to us. Because, you know, over the years we have counseled couples, you know, and we also have actually pastored a church for a, a few months. So we knew how to do premarital counseling and, and just from our own personal experience as well as examples from other couples, situations that they faced and how, you know, we actually would, would talk to them about those issues. And so we found that, like I said, when we were in grad school, we found that it was it was easy, seemed like, for us and when you know, and of course, when the, when the Spirit of God is leading you, you know, it just flowed. And so then during that time, we was like, okay, well, you know, Lord, you, you didn't give us all this information to keep it to ourselves. And we know that there's a need out there. So many people, you know, today are, are just feeling a sense of hopelessness for their relationship. And so you know, we was like, okay, Lord, what direction or what do you want us to do? And so during that time we prayed about it, and then that's when my husband decided to say, you know what, a good platform to do is to write a book. And that's what we decided to do. And so that year and a half, while in grad school, we actually started, you know, putting together the book, doing the, the chapters and the subchapters, and then, you know, in between everything else we started writing. And the good thing about it was that my husband, he was in one part of the house, I was in another part of the house because we didn't want to influence one another's thinking. Uh-huh. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, that men and women get a clear perspective from a male and men and women get a clear perspective from a female. And so that was one way that God, you know, put in our hearts to make sure that we don't collaborate in that regard. And so so basically during that time we were we were doing that. And so from start to finish, like I said, while we was in grad school, it took us about a year, then we presented it to our publishing company, and the process of going through the publishing um, aspect of it has been a year. And so the book is about to be released within the month. And so that's that's where it is right now. 
Okay, wow. Okay, wonderful. So uh, I know you said a little bit in the bio about you guys wanting to impact Matt, uh, as want to make a major impact as a married couple. So what is um, your vision as a married couple? Well, our vision is not only to show to show the world that, you know, couples can be uh, truly and legitimately happy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you have a lot of times people and couples, they just stay together out of either routine or, you know, they stay together because of the children. And, you know, and, and you know, and, and that is a good, you know, motivation factor, but that shouldn't be the primary motivation factor. People, we desire to let people know that you can be genuinely happy with with this person you have decided to share the rest of your life with. Why be with somebody for the rest of your life and be miserable and just going from day to day. And right. so, you know, because most people, when they come together on the altar or they come together and come before man, you know, really, we really believe within every person's heart they truly want their relationship to be successful. But because of life, because of a situation, because of finances, because of all these things that attack their relationship, it's, you know, it, it, it crumbles under that. And so instead of looking at that as a, a tearing down factor, but we want to show couples to use that for the betterment and to mold that relationship and to come together as one because as you do that, that relationship will go to higher heights. But it's just how you, how you view it. How do you view those negativities? Don't let it tear you apart, but rather let it bring you together. And so that's what we're desiring to, to let people know not only through you know, our lives personally, but just through, you know, the things that God has laid on our hearts to share. Wonderful. You know, you you said something that was um, uh, very interesting, and that is, and I'm sure all of us know that there are people who stay together, you know, they stay for the sake of the children, you know, um, it's, a, it's a routine, so they're just accustomed to that, and they're miserable through the whole duration. And, and if I'm one that believes that there's no true testimony from that. You know, God gets no glory from you being miserable, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the the duration of your marriage. The, the scripture tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. And yeah. when you read the scriptures on marriage, I think it's First Corinthians chapter 7, it says marriage is a gift and that you're supposed to live in peace, you know, in your marriage. And uh, and so we, we, we I think a lot of times, you know, um, from past, um, historically in the past, and you may have some that are still doing it today, but historically, even in the body of Christ, we've had teachings that come across the pulpit to tell you that marriage is hard work. And so automatically, instead of, instead of and, you know, and we know that you have to put some work into it, uh, but we, they focus a lot on that. And so people were going into marriage already with a tainted and with a negative perspective perspective and so uh instead of seeing the joy and you know uh having the expectation of a, a great and uh wonderful experience you know and as you say coming together you know right. the, you know they were doing it um uh they may have truly been in love you know once they got past all that uh, wedding ceremonies honeymoons or whatever you know then their minds went into um what they what it's been conditioned for and so they would it's almost like they're sitting on pins and needles waiting for the first argument, waiting for the first disappointment so they can say, I knew it, I knew it, here we go, we get ready here we go. You know, so they, their minds haven't been conditioned to be ex, have an expectation of joy. 
and peace in it, it's been conditioned to um for uh to wait on the first trouble sign. And as you said, people sometimes easily give up, you know, because you haven't prepared yourself, you know, right. uh, uh, the correct way. So while, you, while they're saying it's hard work, they're not giving you strategies and practical steps on how to make good decisions in marriage, or how to come to how to come together and, you know, come to a, a godly conclusion here, you know, or summation about what's going on. And then what do we need to do to, to turn it around or make it better? So, so true. yeah, so so. When when your book comes out and people buy your book and they read it, what is it that you want them to learn uh, or get from reading your book? Well, we definitely we believe in dealing with real topics and knowing how to face those real day to day issues. You know, we find that you know you have some books you know out there that just gives you maybe like an overview. Okay, we communicate. We're supposed to talk. You know this and and that's good, but you know, we, we talk about real issues, like just say, for instance, when that husband comes home and he's had a rough day at work and he comes home and he snaps at his wife and then she gets offended and wants to get defensive and then she snaps back at him and then you have a whole big argument and then it, it just escalates to something when actually the root of the problem was never dealt with, was never addressed, is that he, you know, he may have, he may have faced some things at his job and he just needed that, that cool down time to come home and just kind of, you know, mellow out from the day. Knowing how to deal with things like that, knowing how to find a root. Like I remember you said earlier that a lot of times people carry things that they've learned from uh, maybe watching their, their parents' marriage or, you know, previous relationship, and they carry those things over into their day-to-day marriage. And a lot of times that's not even the root of what's really going on. And a lot of times when people, when they have disagreements or they have certain things that they're dealing with, they're dealing with what we call it, it's like the leaves on the trees. They're dealing with, you know, they come out, you know, angry, bitter, or, Mm -hmm. you know, are harboring unforgiveness. And all of that is just the leaves. But at the same time, if you never get to that root and dig that root up, it's going to be an ongoing problem. It's going to be an ongoing issue. So that's why... We want people to think out of the norm. You know, is there a root here? You know, we're we're arguing about this situation, or, or you know, dealing with this. Situation. Is it more than just what we what we're talking about? Is this are we just dealing with the surface, or do we really need to get to the root of the issue? And so that's why we want to come from that perspective to get people to dig a little deeper, to tap into that transparency, to tap into that vulnerability. I think that's the that's the biggest thing with a lot of couples is that they fear being truly vulnerable and transparent with their partner. And particularly men, in which my husband addressed, you know, men, you know, a lot of times, you know, they're like, well, hey, you know, I want to be the man. I want to, you know, I, you know, there's no way in the world I could, you know, share my heart or really be transparent with my wife because, you know what, she may come against me and, and mm-hmm. you know, and saying, okay, well, you, you, you know, or they feel that their manhood is being challenged. And so it's a two-part to that. It's like the man has to be willing to be open to uh, being transparent with his wife. And then also, too, you have the other side where the woman needs to set uh, a tone for him to be able to come to her and to know that even when he shares those hurts, even when he shares those vulnerability and those those areas of transparency, that he still will be respected as the man. And he needs to have that security. 
Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, just listening to you um talk about that, you know, I think if if, if you if you're listening and you're engaged to somebody, uh, male or female, that when you're in that engagement period, these are the type of things that you want to talk about. You know. Don't go through the just don't get married because you're having a ceremony, a wedding dress, you know, train to next year sometime, you know, gifts and all those kinds of things and receptions. Take some time during your engagement period or when you realize that the relationship is becoming serious. Take some time to actually to begin to dialogue and talk about some of these issues, especially if you're someone who likes to read or you're trying to stay abreast of things, then, you know, that couple could actually find um, a book on marriage or engagement period. Maybe I would encourage them on marriage. Maybe it's a workbook or something and start going through that book together to see, as you say, if there's anything that's rooted in you that's going to surface, you know, so that we can deal with some of this in the engagement period, in the dating period, so we're not bumping heads and clashing with each other in the marriage. Let's let's go ahead and resolve some of this, at least come together to talk about this is how we will handle these types of days, you know, and at least have a, a foundation. It may not actually work out exactly like you talk, but at least have a starting point, you know. Don't have a clash and then you don't, you, you know, like having that deer in the head like look, you don't know what to do when in the in the you know while you're excited about um planning the wedding excited about uh reserving uh, hotel rooms and you know uh reception halls and pick up colors and patterns and all that kind of stuff take that same excitement and apply it to actually establishing and building and understanding a foundation. Take some time and say, "Hey, we're not talking to anybody today. We're not going anywhere. We're gonna or either we'll go have some coffee or something somewhere where we can actually go through this together, talk about these issues, and say, "Hey, if this ever comes up, you know, um, this is what this is how we want to handle it." Or be, challenge yourself and put your vulnerabilities on the table. You know, don't let anything. You know, of course, as you grow, you know, you learn more and more about each other, but. You know, in the, as, you, as, as you know, the honeymoon stage, you know, why you going through that honeymoon stage? I don't want something to jump out of there that, you know, <laughs> that's real serious that you should have told me about. Exactly. That we could have worked on, you know, while we were planning the wedding, you know. So I think that um, we could possibly uh, resolve a lot of clashes if people would actually, you know, pe- you know, more churches are doing it now with the premarital counseling, but the challenge even with the premarital counseling is to really, as you say, deal with real issues, you know, and really, really put some stuff on the table to make that couple think, you know, yeah, what if this did happen? What would I do? You know, how do I feel about this? You know, what do I think of, you know, what what do I think about being a man? What is my, you know, and I'm sure you guys addressed in the book, you know, what is my, what, what what is my uh, perspective of manhood? What do I think about, what am I going to think about myself when I become a husband? You know, what mindset do I have concerning what husbands do, what wives do, you know, and deal with that because it may, the person may say something that just doesn't set with you, set well with you. Then you have, you really got to really do some soul searching in, you know, yeah, and that you know, and that will help keep the divorce rate down because it's something services that that is that goes against your biblical beliefs, you know, your uh, morality. If, you know, if persons or people can be, 
if people will be honest, you know, I think, you know, like we were talking on another show, sometimes guys are taught, you know, it's okay to be married and it's okay for a married man to have a little something on the side. Well, if you find out that your fiance thinks that, you got to rethink this thing because something's going to happen. So, you know, um, or or if she thinks, you know, well, I'm just here. You know, you're supposed to take care of me, buy me whatever I want, take me wherever I want to take, wherever I want to go, make sure I'm happy, you know, give me your money. I'm not supposed to do anything in this marriage. I'm just here. I'm your wife. You're supposed to do everything. I sit back and enjoy the ride. I've heard people say that. So if you if somebody tells you that in a dating relationship, you have to really rethink who you're about to connect with. Because what she's saying is, this is what I'm going to do. Now, you want to, if you want to go through that, and but if you choose to do that, then you can't come back and tell her, oh, but that, but you, what kind of wife are you? Because she told you up front what she was going to be. Right. So, so what, what, um, what, what is the male perspective on dating? I'm sure. Did you guys do a lot of research or talk to people or just from your experience with other couples and? Yes, well, it, it was a combination of both. Um, like I said, my my husband's personal experience and just through people that, you know, and males that he's talked to through the years and, and how, you know, he's seen males deal with certain relationships and, you know, and he's gained, you know, different perspectives from that aspect. And um, and also to, to touch on what you were just saying, something that, that really came to mind, because uh, I remember you were saying about asking those hard questions because actually – there's a section in our book, and this was something that my husband and I practiced during our dating, where we actually interviewed one another. We actually, you know how sometimes you go on interview and you have your, mm-hmm. you know, your pad and your pencil yes. and everything. I mean, and literally we sat down and asked everything. I did not, I was not going to assume nothing. Because the thing was, I was at a point in my life, because I had been in an abusive relationship for years, and so I had been through a divorce, and so I was to a point, I was like, you know what, there's no way I'm going to go through this again. So you know what, I, I want to act, you know, straight up right now so I could have my means of being able to choose whether or not if I want to continue this relationship. I mean, I would, I would I ask my husband things like, okay, how do you handle hard situations? Do you get angry? Do you, you know, are you one to, to revoke to possibly abuse? And how, and how do you handle it? And so I asked all these hard questions. There was we put it all out on the table. And so by doing that, you know, I basically was like, you know, first of all, I know that you're not perfect because a lot of times people when they're, you know, dating someone and, you know, they try to put their best, you know, face mm-hmm. forward and, you know, try to make and do make all, you know, this impression on this person and things of that sort and they don't deal with the realness of that person because everyone, you know, we all have flaws. We're not perfect. And so there's, you know, I didn't want to come across and not deal with those those flawed areas, and I didn't want him not to see the flawed areas in me because, you know, I'm like, eventually it's going to come out, whether it be later on in the dating process or even worse when it, when we get married. So it's like, you know what, there's no, we, we're not going to assume anything. We're just going to straight up ask one another and deal with it right then so it won't be any assumptions whatsoever. But um but getting back to your question you were saying about the male perspective and 
you know, I asked my husband, you know, today actually, I said, well, you know, how would you summarize this in terms of what is the male perspective on dating? And he actually told me, he said that, that you know, you have men, it really depends on where they are in terms of their maturity level and where they are psychologically. You have a lot of men that may be in a, in a point in their life where they're actually ready to settle down, that they're looking for a wife. And so when they go out dating, they go out dating with the intentions of finding, you know, someone that they could, you know, possibly marry one day. And then you have the man that's just dating casually, that, you know, not ready to settle down, and he's just out there for the fun. And so from from a, from a female's point of view, by the fourth, fifth date, you, you should kind of know where that man's mind is. Because if you're in a totally different place in your life and you're ready to, okay, I, I don't want to waste my time. I'm looking that through this dating process, I'm looking for a potential mate. Then that that should kind of let you know where he is. And you can kind of know just through, you know, having conversations, you know, just kind of seeing where his vision is. And, you know, and the females can kind of see where they are maturity-wise as well as psychologically. And so when that happens, you know, you kind of know what direction the relationship could be going. And so also, too, um, you have a lot of men that when they're dating and if they're seeking just to be dating casually, they almost self-consciously, they seek for women that they feel they can just have a good time with. And ladies have to understand, we all send off a certain sign about ourselves. And so not many times men they can look at us and see, okay, is this somebody that is wife material or this is someone that I can just have a, a good time with? And women, we don't understand sometimes that we send off that signal. And so in, in, in how we respect ourselves and how we uphold ourselves. And so many times some men, you know, if they figure that you're a person that they can say, okay, well, this is somebody I can see myself settling down with and they're not ready to do that, then nine times out of ten, they may decide to cut off the relationship. And that's not a bad thing. And then when they come to a certain point in their lives where they're ready to date and settle down, many times they will seek after those women if they haven't already been married. Yeah. They'll seek after those women that, you know, it's like, oh, you know what, she made, she, I can see myself being with her, and mm-hmm. I can see myself bringing her home to my, my parents and my mama and my mama approved and all this good stuff. And so... That's where, you know, a lot of times we, it really depends on where the man is, his mindset. And so then also, too, some men, you know, and, and you hear the statement, you know, you have some men that are, are labeled as, as dogs. And that's one thing we come against, you know, we talk about in our book, that, you know, it's time out for society are feeling as though that it's just within a man's nature to cheat. That's and and right. you hear this, you hear you hear this so many. Well, you know what he, you know, and and some mm-hmm. women actually accept believe, it. They yeah, they accept it and they believe it wholeheartedly. Yeah. And, they, you, know, you, so you can't like, even you know, convince hey, them otherwise. Exactly, it's like oh well, you know, well, as long as he come home to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like oh no, you know what? Females have the same temptations. They yeah. have the same, you know, things, and and I'm like this, just like it's it's about choice. It's about choice. So if a female can choose to be faithful to her husband, a man can choose to be faithful to his wife. 
and 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 basically calling out that character, calling out that integrity, and not just selling for and saying, okay, well, it's just within a man's nature to cheat. So you know, so now we don't have to. He doesn't have to be at this certain standard. That to me is a lie that comes from deep from the pit. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah. It's like okay, no, that when a man and woman come together, they should come together wholeheartedly and knowing that they're going to be faithful to one another and putting their whole heart into that. And so because, you know, you have some men that have been hurt, and this is something a lot of men don't like to touch on. Believe it or not, when a man initially falls in love, a lot of times he falls hard. He falls he hard, does. Yes. He, he really puts his heart into it. And if that, and if he, and if that female that he's fallen in love with has hurt him, a lot of times that's when men, the first thing they say, you know what, I'm not going to put myself in that position again. So I'm going to go and dog every woman thereafter. And so that's a lot of times when we come across these, quote, dogs. But a lot mm-hmm. of times it's that, that hidden hurt that never been dealt with. It's those hidden roots that never been dealt with. And so and so that's why we, we want to try to, have people say, okay, well, why is he doing this? Or, you know, and a lot of times, as my husband was stating um, in terms of uh, a male perspective, a lot of times men sometimes are fearful of dating someone because they're afraid of rejection. And so self-consciously they'll have this shield up and they'll only allow themselves to go so far because they don't want to face or, or possibly get rejected by that female which only in turn just makes him feel insecure about himself. But these are not things that, you know, society really talks about, the insecurity of men. Men have insecurities just like women have insecurities. Right. You know, we're humans. We all face that. And so the thing is is learning how to deal and to, for those insecurities to be dealt with and to be healed. And that's, and that's all a part of what we are, we're wanting to bring to the table. And so that was, that was some of the things that, that my husband, he wanted me to share in terms of from a male perspective is, you know, yes, men, you know, they have a, you know, it just really depends on where they are in their life in terms of seeking a mate. Right. You know, and, um, uh, you know, you said a couple of things, um, but I, I think what the ladies need to focus on is um, that um, when a man is dating casually, you can't change his mindset. He has exactly. to be the one to change that. And a lot of times women connect with these brothers that are dating casually, and most of the time these guys will tell you that they're dating casually. They they do they do not want to be in a serious relationship right now. And for some reason she seems to think that she's going to be the one that's going to change his mind about exactly. being in a season, you know, in a serious relationship. And so she gets all enmeshed and all tied up in the relationship, mm-hmm. and as soon as she sees him, with someone else, or he says, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, look, I'm going to slow down on this a little bit. You know, I got, you know, I got something else I want to do, you know, mm-hmm. or she gets a phone call that a friend saw him at, at dinner with somebody else. Then mm-hmm. she's all torn up. And I think for a female, one of the most devastating things is for that guy to remind her that he said he was not looking for anything serious. Because then she has to now ask herself, what am I going to do with all these feelings I have for him? 
Exactly. You have to sit there and look him in the face, the same guy that told you, I'm not, I'm dating casually, I'm not looking to settle down, I'm not looking for a wife, I just want to go to the movies there or to dinner every once in a while with a couple of friends, you know. And for some reason, she's thinking, oh, well, he, you know, he'll like me so much that, you know, I'll, you know, he'll change his mind when he really gets to know me, you know. Exactly. Well, he's never going to really get to know you because right. that's not his goal. You know, he may, he may, you know, initially he may uh, have a great deal of respect for you and he may call you every once in a while. But as soon as she becomes enmeshed in that relationship and as soon as she becomes needy and, you know, uh, calling him all the time and, you know, trying to figure out where he is, then all of that respect starts dwindling down until it gets to the point that he has to become outright indignant to get her to get the message. And he always reminds her, I told you in the beginning, I did not want a serious relationship. And, you know, they they just don't take the guy serious, you know, and then they all all torn up, torn up, tears everywhere, you know, when you see him out with somebody. So if you are a a female and you don't want to date casually when those guys say that don't date him right right he's telling Save yourself yeah he's telling you up front that he's only dating casually so that means he's, he knows more than you he right. got he has a couple of friends well if you know that that's not going to sit uh set well with you and you're not looking for somebody who's dating other people then don't date him doesn't matter how good looking he is doesn't matter what kind of money he's making what kind of car he's driving don't date him Right. Because he's going to do exactly what he told you he was going to do. Exactly. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So right. you can't be hoping that he'll change or that he'll see something in you that he's not seeing in the the others. So what happens is he'll find those women who just want to date casually. And exactly. that's who he's going to just um, continue to see. So from moving from the male perspective, what is the uh, female's perspective on dating? Well, uh, most females' perspective, I I think deep down um, inside, you know, unless you have some women that have been really hurt in their lives and their their esteem about themselves is very low, most women, they date, you know, in hopes that the relationship would become serious in hopes that one day, you know, they will possibly marry that person. That is you know, you have some, you know, like I said, it really depends on, on each individual female, mm-hmm. but uh, majority of the time, most females, they they desire to know that someone wants to commit totally to them. And um, and so when they go out on, on dates, they're self-consciously looking at this person. Is, is this someone that I can see myself spending the rest of my life with or, you know, or is this someone that, you know, I can see having children for? And so, you know, women self-consciously ask themselves this, this question when they're going out and dating someone. And so oftentimes, you know, it's, it's very seldom that you find women that, you know, just kind of go out there just to, you know, just to have a good time and things of that sort, you know, because they don't they don't want to be looked upon as just a piece of meat. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think most women, you know, want for men to view them as that. But um, something that really, I, I remember I was listening to um, a comment one time, and they had a female that asked a gentleman, you know, if I sleep with a guy on the first date, is that devaluing the relationship? And I was I was somewhat surprised at the, the, the male, 
no answer. And he actually said, well, no, you know, today, today and age, you know, people are, are dating, you know, maturely and, you know, and I, and I don't think that you're going to really be devaluing a relationship and things of that sort. And I thought to myself, I beg to differ <laughs> because the message that you're sending someone, especially if you go out on a first date with someone, yeah. the last thing should be sex on right. your mind. That even shouldn't even be a consideration, you know, when you initially going out and dating someone. And so to to even allow that to be brought into the relationship, at that point, she has placed in that man's mind what type of woman she is. And he, not a lot of times, is not going to view her as someone that he wants to marry. Because in the back of his mind, he may be thinking, well, you know what, if she did this with me, who else has she done this with? And so as women, we have to carry ourselves in a, in, a, in a certain way. We should have a certain air about us where men see that beauty. You know, you think about a lot of the songs long time ago, you know, and sometimes, you know, I listen to a lot of, you know, what you know, people may say is old school music. And you listen to the words and how men, it's like they literally cherished women. It was almost like women were looked upon as as precious jewels. And really, that's how men should look upon women these days. And unfortunately, you know, with society, you know, unfortunately they've gotten away from that. But I still feel that there is hope in that because that, that is the beauty of a woman. And, and men should value and respect a woman. And so I, w- I would definitely say that as a woman, it's what you put out. Uh, to the world, to society, to men, you know, the type of person that you are and, and how you should be valued. So that's that's definitely something that you should bring on that date, on that first, second, third date, and to bring that air about yourself so that he knows, you know what, this is this is a woman that should be cherished. This is a woman that is beautiful, and that's what you want to present to this man and present to, to the world. And so... Uh, so that definitely should be the mindset and the perspective of a woman in terms of uh, for her to know where she is in her life, you know. And, and like I said, and, and it's nothing wrong, you know, you know, that you set certain goals at certain points in your life. You know, you may have some women that, you know, just want to go out and just be friends with a, with a guy and just, you know, go out and hang out. It's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that, right. you know. But, you know, at the same time for her to know where she is in her life, and that will definitely lead her in how she approaches uh, the various dating relationships. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you should say that about having friends. I am one who believes in the body of Christ. Uh, If you're single, male and female, you need to have, uh, if you're female, you need to have male friends that in the body of Christ that you can call one day and say, you know, hey, I'm going to the movies. Hey, are you busy? You want to go with me with no strings attached? Because exactly. we're really supposed to fellowship with one another. And there's some brothers that should be able to call single women without them jumping the gun, you know, right. and say, hey, look, um, I'm going to the movies after the movie. They got the new movie coming out, new Tyler Perry movie after that. We're going right next door to the restaurant to get a bite to eat. You busy? Let's go hang out. Without any strings attached, without that false hope, is this the one? Is this the one? You know, right. and then that way we help keep each other covered. You know, I'm with somebody who I'm, I trust. I'm safe with him. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to uh, I wonder if uh, he's going to try anything, you know, 
you know, do I have to have the mace and, you know, with the tip, the, the top off or, you know, what? So I think in the body of Christ, the single people uh, really should get, you know, fellowship with one another and, and right. without any strings being attached, you know. And um, going back to um, the comment that the the show or something you were listening to and the guy said about people are dating maturely, there's no mature dating on the first date. You know how to carry yourself, but the relationship has not developed. You know, right. so when I'm going out with you for the first time on the date, if, if it ends up that way, it's because somebody already had it in their mind before we got to the date. Right. You know, right. I, you ain't going to be that good looking, you know, <laughs> where I'm just going to be sitting there saying, wow, you know, oh, yes. jump his bones. <laughs> you know, if that happens, then, you know, I think even if I was sitting in front of, let me think somebody. Shamar Moore, you know, I don't think I would do that. So, no. I mean, you know, as handsome as he is, I just don't think, you know, I would do that. If that happens, if, if you're somebody and that is repeatedly happening, mm-hmm. you got to get some help. you got to go into your inner core of who you are to find out what's making it happen. And if you're on a date with a guy or on a date with a woman and before you know it, you didn't stop talking about the weather and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you talk, you know, you're talking about sex or sexual positions and, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, wow, you just so, you know, I really would like to snuggle with you. Whatever they're saying now, <laughs> right. you know, right. then, you know, red flag ought to go up. Right. Don't yeah. find yourself in a compromising uh, uh, situation. And sometimes mm-hmm. if you really are uncomfortable, especially if you the guy picked you up and, you mm-hmm. you know, you in his car, if you really are uncomfortable and think that, you know, he's pressuring you, you could ask him and, if, you know, if he's, he may deny it or he may come out and tell you the truth. Then, you know, we all got cell phones. You need to call somebody to pick you up True. because you don't want to find yourself in a in a bad, you know, just like that guy was trying to say people are dating maturely, you got folks that got game that have game plans, and they got what do you call them the g h b they got the the uh date rape drugs in their back right. pocket, all kind of stuff, so you don't want to be riding in a car with somebody you know who might violate you or right. do something just so he can have his way, and you wake up the next day and can't remember nothing right you know trying to figure out how you got there, so yeah. usually those types of um, conversations or surface, and you will know because it'll make you uncomfortable, you know? Right. And, you know, one time I uh, went out on a date with a guy, and the guy started talking. I mean, it just really made me uncomfortable. But mm. prior to that, I had already started going, you know, meet, you know, I, I drive my own car. So, right. you know, meet you at the restaurant, and it was, it was, it's a really uncomfortable feeling. They think they're being real and keep, you know, they think that's keeping it real. And I'm a man, and I, you know, you know, hold up, you exactly. know, I'm this hungry. I mm mm cancel meal. <laughs> I'm not that hungry because there you go. <laughs> in mind, they're trying to equate meal with their pleasure. You know, right. no, no, give me a separate ticket. Mhm, and, and, and that's something I want to touch on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Because that, and you know, and that's something how you said that. Because that that is a really because that that's like the first topic. You know, we talk about starting it off right. We actually advocate going Dutch the first couple of dates. Yeah. And so, and some and some women be like, oh no, on a man should should pay for all the dates and blah 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 this. And you know, and I and I and I've shared with women. I say first of all, I said you know when you're 
especially if this person is a stranger. Like you said, the first mm-hmm. thing you need to do is meet them in a public place. You go and he come in his car, you go in your car, and you meet somewhere. And he pays for his portion, you pay for your portion. Because first of all, you do not know that person's character. Right. You're just filtering that person out. So they have some guys, and not all guys, but they have some guys that feel like, okay, if I don't spend a hundred dollars on you, mm-hmm. like, I, I expect something in return. I, I need something in return. And you know, and as a female, you don't even want to put yourself in that position. The first couple of days should just be you weaning out to see if this is somebody that you even want to pursue any further. And so we we suggest the first couple of dates go go to a coffee shop, go maybe meet in the park somewhere and just take a walk, feed the ducks or something, you know, where you don't have to necessarily put out a significant number, you know, a significant amount of money or whatever. And so, you know, when my husband and I, when we went on our first date, I actually suggested, I said, look, you know, I want us to go Dutch. And at first, you know, I was, I think I was the first female that ever told him that because he looked at me like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, you know, and he was just totally thrown away with that. You know, and the first thing he he actually said, he said, well, the first thing I thought is, is that you felt that I maybe couldn't afford the date because at that time he was working <laughs> retail and working. So, you know, so I guess he figured, well, you know what, I, I you know, he may be struggling financially. So <laughs> so he had all these thoughts and he was trying to figure out in his mind why I suggested that. But then later on I told him, I said, look, I said, I wanted us to come on this date with no strings attached because, you know what, if I decide that I'm not interested in you, then you know what, you know, I, I don't I don't feel any sense of obligation to answer mm-hmm. your phone call because, you know what, I brought my own money to the table. You bought it. So the way we came, we left. <laughs> and so as females, that's how you want to put yourself in that position. And then, by you know, by the third date or so, by that time you kind of filter out that person, then at that point the man you know, should step up and, and pay for the date. But as, you know, these days you have to date smart. You have, you to, have date to date smart. Date. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you have to date smart. You know, exactly. if you just want to do something for yourself, when he says, oh, well, what restaurant you want to meet at? Well, pick your favorite restaurant so that when you pay your portion of the bill, you're okay with that because you would have paid for your own meal at that restaurant anyway. So. Right. You know, pick the restaurants that you like that you would take yourself to, you know, uh, because until you get to, get to know that person, you know, you just don't know. And you don't want to find yourself in a, a compromising situation. You don't want to be uh, sitting on the edge of the seat in somebody else's car ready to jump out as soon as they pull up onto your street. You know, You're right. you know, no, drive your own car, you know. Don't really let them know um, where, you, where you're dressed per se or, I, 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 or any I, of that. I, I don't do any of that. I, I don't do any of that. You know, and you should always, no matter what restaurant that you pick to go to, you need to tell somebody in your family or a close friend where you are, what time that date is for. I mean, you could be in your 30s and 40s day. You still need to tell somebody, I'm going to Cheesecake Bistro is um, on such and such street. I'm meeting this guy at 7 o'clock. I'm going to sit in my car until I see him. I'm going to send you a text. Here, you know, exactly. he's here at the door. I'm in going inside now. When I leave, right. I'm going to text you and tell you, in car, headed home, you exactly. know, because you could look at just the news and mm-hmm. see all of the un, 
favorable things that have happened to people in dating relationships, in marriages, um, you know, who went to restaurants and now they're missing or whatever the case may be, what you think might be a little childish or a little, you know, beneath you, so to speak, not kick it up a notch and think about your own safety and say, I'm going to let somebody know so that if this on a normal date at a restaurant, it could run maybe two hours because you're talking or whatever. If you do the full course thing, the appetizer, the entree, the dessert, and coffee, you could actually be there from 7 to 9 if, you, if you're just really talking and having a good time. So if you guys don't hear it, have a text from me by 10, 10, 15, you might want to <laughs> call me. You know exactly. See and, where, and where, where, see, I am where am I at ten o'clock? And nine times out of ten, I'm gonna answer my phone. I'm not gonna dismiss it. I'm gonna answer my phone in front of him and say, "Oh, that's my loved ones checking on me." So there you go. if you right. seem to be a little psychotic, don't try nothing. <laughs> they, they know where we are. You know, you I until my you. That's right. Where I am. <laughs> Everybody knows where I am. Everybody knows where my car, what kind of car I got, everything. And as a matter of fact, they got your number and your name in case I go missing. They're going to dial that cell. I mean, what you think sometimes is, you know, we're joking about it, but you really have to find a way to stay in touch with somebody when you're on these kinds of dates. And until you get to know them, and I mean, like you say three days, I'm like maybe a month, you know, until you're comfortable and you've been covering that dating process period in prayer and, right. you know, allowing God to show you some things, don't get so caught up in the dating that you lose yourself exactly. in the process of dating. Because when you lose yourself, that's when you get hurt. Exactly. And then now us counselors have to come in and mend all that stuff. When if you yes. just listen to the advice on this show, you wouldn't be there. You know, so don't lose yourself in a dating relationship. Maybe you haven't dated in a long period of time, you know, that's fine. And if somebody comes along, just take a deep breath, you know, laugh with your girlfriend, but take a deep breath and take that thing slow and keep your eyes wide open and, and keep your ears open for the spirit of God to talk to you, you know, because, you know, there's an old saying, everything that glitters ain't gold. We're not trying to discourage you, but it's a whole lot of folks know how to dress themselves up now. Oh, yes. And they know the exact words to use. They know the questions to ask you at the table. Then he'll say something like, you know, how come a nice girl like you not married yet? You're so good looking and you're so strong and you're intelligent. You got a good job. And, you know, when those questions on the first day start getting too personal, mm-hmm. red flag. Right, right. Uh, just say, let's talk about the weather. So you got to find a way to, to turn that conversation around because, you know, um, some people ask all those questions on the first day to see whether just how far can they go with you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Can far. I get enough? Huh? Go ahead. Now, because and also too, a lot of times they'll ask those questions so you will immediately feel this connection with them too fast, or you know, because you get caught up in the the the, the flattery, or you get caught up in the excitement of being on a date with someone. Because, like you say, a lot of females may have you know, have been on a date for maybe months or years. And so, you know, they're so excited to even go on a date with someone that a lot of times they'll try to move the relationship faster than it needs to be moved. And so you just have to sit back, like you said, just take a deep breath and just say, okay, well, we're we going to take this step by step until we get to that point. And that, that's the best way to approach it. And so because then you won't get caught up in, in all the excitement 
and, and all the, you know, just wanting to be with somebody, but you want to take your time and, and definitely, like you said, to be to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is, is telling you something is, is not right or, you know, because just because a person may be saying something on the outside, you want to see what's behind what they're saying. Right. You want to see what's on, what's on the inside. And that's where you really have to depend on the Spirit of God to give you discernment, to let you know, mm, okay, he's saying all this or she's saying all this, but something's not quite adding up. And I and I can speak from my own personal experience because, like I said earlier, I had went through an abusive relationship. And during our dating period, there was things that I saw in him, but I I purposely ignored him and, and I justified by saying, okay, you know what? No one's perfect. He's not going to be perfect, and you know, and and so uh, so you know, we we can work we can work through this. When I when I saw you know during that time, I saw the control you know trying to be controlling and trying to be domineering and. And I saw all these things, but then I had a, I guess you say during that time, had a warped mentality of what it meant as a woman to be submissive to a man. And, you know, especially in, in churches you find a lot of times, you know, you have the scripture, wives submit to your husbands. And, yes, you're supposed to submit. But the thing is is that God doesn't want us to submit to abuse. He doesn't want us to submit to, to domination, control. That's not what he's calling us right. to submit to. And so the thing is is that there's a flip side to that. When God says that the man is supposed to love the wife as Christ loves the church and to, to love her accordingly. And so we think about how Christ loves us. Christ doesn't dominate us. Christ doesn't, uh, you know, abuse us. He doesn't treat us that way. And so we have to make sure that he's walking in the likeness of Christ's love towards us. And that's what God wants us to submit to. But like I said, during that time when I was at that, that place in my life, I saw a lot of things, but I chose to ignore it. God was letting me know. He was letting me know in my spirit, uh-uh, it's not right, it's not right. But because I was so caught up emotionally, because I was in love, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to, you know, it'll get better. You know, he'll change once we get married. My, a statement that we make, when you marry someone or when you date someone, you're marrying them as is multiplied. Yes. <laughs> as is multiplied. So if he, if he is a certain way when you're dating him, multiply that. Because nine times out of ten, he's going to be that multiplied when you marry him. So don't do not by no means go into a marriage if you see some areas if you see areas where it can lead up to abuse he has serious anger issues and all of these things don't feel like well you know what well maybe it's just the pressures of the wedding and and just maybe he's fearful of getting married and you know and you know he did you know he pushed me up against the wall but you know maybe you know it's just it's just it's just the pressures. And 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 women self consciously they justify and they go in and marry these men and then they wonder, you know, within less than a year he becomes this, you know, this abusive man, and then you know and then she's like, oh my gosh, why did I get myself in this situation? Whereas that, you know, you could have discerned it and God was probably showing you things beforehand, but because we're so caught up emotionally, we chose to ignore it. And that is a, a definite no-no. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, is there anything um, 
um, from your book or from your teachings that maybe you and your husband do that you would like to um, share with the audience or some details about your book uh, that you would like to share with the audience at this time? Yes, yes. Uh, well, one thing, like I said, I, like I mentioned it earlier, you know, our, our book is from a male and a female perspective. So basically it allows women to see how a man thinks about certain issues and certain topics because a man and woman in it with one term or one word, and that man sees it one way and that woman sees it another way. And the thing is is that for both people to respect that person's viewpoint. And so that's why we, we desire to write it from a, a male and a female perspective because it, it gives both people an insight on the feelings and the hearts of that person of the opposite sex. And like in our, in, in Chapter 1, we talk about um, starting it off right. And so, excuse me, a lot of times, like I said, when you're coming into a marriage, you know, it's it starts during the dating period. And so, you know, the, the key is is trying to peel back as many layers as you can peel back in those initial, uh, the initial dating and engage period. And so that's why we, we have things when we talk about um, meeting the family and friends, which could tell you a lot about the person that you're marrying. We talk about um, don't allow emotions to blind you and to make sure that you face the reality of who that person is versus the fictional that we perceived in our minds. Because a lot of times, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of times we can see things, but we don't want to truly acknowledge what we see. And so we ra- we rather depend on this this fiction uh, person mm-hmm. that we we have you know placed in our mind, and we rather satis- be satisfied with that rather than truly finding out the person that we are potentially going to marry. And so, and we talk about you know having those list of questions and. And also uh, trying to be vulnerable and transparent as much as possible. And yes, you have to go through the different phases and the different stages because you you don't want to open up too too fast and too soon. So you just have to see where your relationship is and knowing what level and stage to to go to. And uh, and then you know in chapter two we talk about making your marriage a priority. And, you know, and how when couples first get married, you're going to have those ups and downs that first year and, and, and even thereafter. But to understand that to not want to just throw in the towel when those challenges, you know, come to, to challenge your relationship because they will come. And uh, we talk about the importance of keeping God first in the relationship. That is foremost for for both people to to have a relationship with, with the Lord because that. When you have a relationship with God, it allows you both to be sensitive to things spiritually. So a lot of times what may be, you may be seeing one thing on the outside. As, you're, as you have that relationship and unction in your spirit, God will show you things that you may not, may not even be sharing with you, but he'll share with you. And then that's when we can take those things into prayer. And so, you know, we have a section we talk about the spirituality, but but I I definitely want to key on in on, on some things dealing with the area of communication, because um, I'm, I'm gonna touch on some of the subtopics. Like one of our first subtopic we we um, discuss is never assume, always confirm, and how many times within a marriage we try to assume what our partner's thinking, what they're feeling, 
or you know, or, or what's going on with them. We try to assume, and then, and in some cases, we may we may assume right, but then in some cases, we, the first thing we want to assume is something negative, and so it may not even be that situation. And so that's why we need to sit down and dissect and talk to our partners and our spouse and say, you know, what's what's going on? You know, are are you you know are you are you dealing with some things or you know, let's sit down and let's talk about it. You know, and sometimes just, you know, just knowing that they have a, a, a person that's willing, you know, that as your spouse are made to be willing to listen to them and just for them to have that, that sense of, of comfort to know that you're there with them through those, through those difficult times. And then we even have a part where we talk about sometimes you may have to write it down. There's been times in our marriage that if a, if a situation was very difficult for us to discuss, we literally would type each other a letter, and we would give it to each other ne- the next day. And so, you know, my husband he'll he'll just put all his feelings in this letter, and so then I'll and then I can sit back and dissect what he's saying. So sometimes, if you may not verbally be able to share uh, or communicate, write it down and give it to them and let them read it, and then maybe come back and discuss it later. And um, and this is something that we practice. We actually, every year, we have an annual evaluation. You know, on our anniversary, we literally sit down and evaluate one another as a spouse that year. And so, you know, our main goal is that we do want to focus on the positive. This is not a time to point the finger. Well, you know what? You did this this year. Mm-hmm. It's not the time to do that. But you want to use this as a building tool. And as a cultivating tool, say, okay, well, how has our relationship have grown this year? You know, and 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 being able to to point out and pull out those positives, and and being specific in that to say, you know what, they, I really appreciate this year how you've been really patient with me when I, when I've had difficult days at work, and and just how you've been there for me. Be specific because what you're telling your mate is that, look, I've noticed you this year. We, you know, yes, we've gone through our day to day, but I notice and I appreciate you. And so to utilize those times, you know, and, and also throughout the year, but we specifically just use that as like our anniversary date, and we sit down and we reflect on our marriage that year. And if there are some areas where we need to target in on that are negative, we make sure that we utilize that as a means of building, but not necessarily as a, we don't use it as a tearing down of the relationship. And um, and also within marriage, it is very important to keep fun and laughter within the relationship. You know, so many times couples, you know, they 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 actually don't, in a sense, they don't even like each other. They mm-hmm. don't even like each other's company. They're quick to want to go hang with their their guy friends or their girlfriends rather than enjoying one another's company. Sometimes. You know, you know, and I and I love to see this when couples just act plump silly and just have a good time and actually enjoy being together, and that's and that is so important within every relationship to be able to laugh, to be able to have fun, and truly enjoy being with this person on a daily basis. And also, we talk about the importance of staying um, and remaining best friends. Your spouse should be your best friend. And you should be able to go to that person and talk about your day. Be, be able to go to that person and, and share, you know, your vision, share the things that's in your heart, and knowing that that person is there to receive you. And that's that's how couples should 
look to one another as best friends. And um, this is something that we've learned over the years, the importance of learning to agree to disagree. There will be times, I don't care how much you try to, you know, talk about it, there there's going to be times you're just not going to see eye to eye. You're just not going to agree, and that's okay. But when when you get to that point, that's when both the male and the female, even though they may not agree, they still need to respect each other. They need to still respect that person's opinion and how they feel about that situation. And then and sometimes, you know, as, as much as possible, you try to come together in a, in a means of compromising where you're not belittling one another, but you're compromising together where both people are satisfied. And you have to be willing to be flexible, both the male and the female. You you can't just hold on to your selfishness and say, okay, it's my way or no way. No, it can't be like that. When you go into a relationship, you have to almost go into the relationship with a selfless mindset. My whole goal is, you know what, I want to please my husband. And, and vice, versa, vice versa, that husband wants to please his wife and having a heart to do that. And in the process of doing that, both people's needs are being met. And if more couples have that mindset, you know what, how can how can I make my husband's world a little better today? And that, that husband's like, how can I make my wife's world a little bit better today? And if both people have that that joy and have that, that desire to do that, how many marriages will be you know, be cultivated in that in that aspect? And um and then also we, we talk about um, you know, I, I think I touched on earlier about finding the root of the tree and that it is so important that for couples when they get married, and, and it may be difficult, but you but you need to discuss, you know, past hurts or, you know, what representation you had in your life as a child, what, what, what was put before you in terms of a successful marriage. You know, were your parents divorced? Did you, did you, were you exposed to, Abuse. Were you exposed to, you know, maybe a mother that didn't respect her, um, your father, and now you have this war mentality that, you know, I'm going to control him and I'm going to make him do this and make him do that. You know, you, you have to you have to examine all of that. And the thing is, is that yes, you may have been in certain situations like that. But you have to always say, but God, even though that may have been something that was in my past. You know what, God, you can influence my present and you can influence my future. And those curses and those those generational chains can be broken. I know for myself there was a generational curse of divorce in my family. And like I said, yes, I went through a divorce, like I said, because of an abusive relationship and then God sent my husband now 16 years. And I was like, okay, you know what, by the grace of God, this, this chain of divorce is going to break off my life, and it's not going to travel to my children. And from this point on, you know, generations, you know, it's going to be successful marriages. And that was something that my husband and I, we proclaimed over our lives when we got married. And so when times and when those hard times come up, we remind ourselves of that. And so that helps us through through those tough times. And also in the uh, communication we talk about the importance of building each other up. And we feel that it's, it's power in your words. And, of course, we know as the scripture says, there's death and life and the power 
of our tongue. And we're so quick to speak negative over our spouse. We're so quick to tell Oh, you 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 you're just no good. You just you know you 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 know you're not a good man. You're not doing this and not doing that. And then we have to ask ourselves, you know what? What am I speaking over my husband? What you know? And then we wonder why sometimes we reap certain fruits, you know, in 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 this relationship. And so that's why we have to speak loud, um, life, and then we have to build each other, encourage one another, and it goes both ways. And so. In the process of building it, you're speaking those positive things, and those positive things through time will come to pass. And that's what we have to believe and trust in knowing that that will happen. And so, but uh, but those are just a few of the things okay. that we've, you know, like I said, I, I kind of touched on in the communication because I can go on and on and on <laughs> and on. Because, you know, I even have a certain section I keep it real. We keep it real spicy. We have the in the, in the section we've had sex within marriage, and we we definitely uh, touch on some very uh, interesting topics. And, and and you know, particularly for Christian women, you know, I, I encourage Christian women that you know you could still you know you could still be spontaneous. You can still be exciting, mm-hmm. and that doesn't take away from you as a woman of God. God honors. And he said the bed is undefiled. And so, you know, so so many times, you know, we have a, a, a lot of Christians like, oh, I can't do that or oh, I shouldn't do that. And a lot of times that's, you know, based upon maybe what we've taught, been taught, but that's where yeah. the husband and then the wives have to come together and they have yeah. to know what they're comfortable with. Right. And the thing is, it's nobody's business right. what you and your spouse do in your bedroom. It's nobody's business. So, the thing is, as long as you and that man are comfortable with it, in which you need to make sure that that is the case, then allow your relationship to be exciting. Because I, I remember, and I want to touch on this, and I'm um, be quiet. <laughs> I remember this um, this this uh, lady when my husband and I first got married. Uh, she had been married for 50 years, and and I pulled her to the side, and I was like, "Well, what you know, what is the, the secret to your marriage?" and Things that said, and I'm pretty sure we've heard this saying before. This, but this is my first time hearing this. And she told, she said, "Well, she said, I'm gonna tell you, baby." She said, "The key is to be a, a lady in the living room and a freak in the bedroom." And I was like, "Say what?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you, you know, I'm looking at this old, this little, you know, little elder lady, and I'm just thinking mm-hmm. that she was gonna tell me, you know, well, baby, you just have to communicate." But she just kept it real. And I said, well, elaborate. You know, what, what you mean? She said a man, you know, he wants a, a lady that he can carry, you know, on his arm and be proud that, you know, you're his wife and, and you know, you represent the home well and you represent, you know, and just, mm-hmm. just an air about you. But at the same time, you need to be that same lady that would take that man to the bedroom and rock his world. You need to be, so you have to have a balance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and she told me this is my first year of marriage. And I was like, okay, I see. I, I kind of understand what you're saying. And so I, I took on that mentality, and I was like, Lord, you know, show me creative ways to keep my husband excited. You know, that look where he looks forward to coming home, and that no other woman out there could, you know, try to fulfill. Because I'm like this, you know what? He's getting it at home. He's not going out hungry. He's not going out hungry. Right. I'm making sure that he has his full course meal right here at this house. 
And so that was something that, you know, um, you know, I had purposed in my heart from day one. And so um, it's definitely been an exciting journey, to, to say the least, and this is what we wanted to share with the world, to let them know that there is hope and that, uh, that marriage can be a beautiful, beautiful institution. Amen, amen. For all of you ladies out there who listened to that last comment from the, the lady with the 50-year marriage, <laughs> make sure <laughs> that the freak in the bedroom is not something that is outside of your comfort zone. Exactly, exactly. You know, because you have a lot of men who are married and they have perverted sexual appetites. And right, so right. don't have him, you know, uh, don't have him bringing all that stuff right. up into there and wanting you to do it. And he feels, you know, if you don't do it, I'll go out here and get it. Well, you're going to have to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that in here. It's, you know, it's a whole lot of weird, freaky, just yeah. Yeah. Crazy you don't want to step over into that. It, no. Right. You know, that domination or is that how you said mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. When he when he wants you to have on a dog mask and oh no, no, all that crazy stuff. No, we talking about no. enjoyable, you know, within uh the boundaries of Exactly. Of and that's why that, it's so important. Yeah. That's right, to discuss that. And, you know, and not to assume that, you know, you know, that's why it's so important to, to talk about those things beforehand because there may be things that your your husband, he feels, okay, once we get married, oh, you're my wife, so hey, now you're supposed to do all this. Yeah, right. Oh, no, wait a minute, you know, because if if, if he has a an addiction to just, say, pornography and right. things that he's been exposed to and then he wants to bring and expect to bring it, you to do, mm-hmm. no, that is a no-no. So that's where yeah. you have to... To, to discuss that, and you have to bring that to the table and not to assume, you know, by no means. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that is yeah. definite, definite. Yeah, definitely. You got to make sure that you understand that because I heard years ago, though, uh, a gentleman was teaching, it was a relationship co- uh, conference, and uh, he was teaching, and he said something similar to that, and he said, you know, be a lady, but in the bedroom be his prostitute. Well, if you understand what a prostitute means, I don't want to be a period, not in the bedroom, not in, the, not on the corner. So, you uh, you know, you you got to make sure, and that's something again that you could talk about. You know, you could talk about that, you know, um, prior to marriage. You could talk about it in the first year, but you got to get, you must get an understanding about that because when somebody forces you to do something that mm-hmm. goes against what your spirit wants to do, then sometimes you're not careful. A lot of shame and guilt will come up on you, and then wow. And it's right. just too much at that point. Then it's just a whole and that person should not, That's right. And that person should not force that upon you. That's where it goes into respecting those convictions and sharing those convictions and, you know, letting that person know, you know, well, I'm not quite comfortable with that. But, you know, I, I am, I'm okay with this. And that's mm-hmm. where, you, you know, you need to, to set those boundaries because, you know, for some, some things may work for some people. Some things may not work for some people. Right. But that's where you have to keep that open line of communication and not just assume that when you get in the bedroom, oh, it's just, you know, everything is just going to flow. Mm-hmm. And then she starts doing some stuff or she starts doing some stuff and you're like, well, wait a minute, what, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, what, what's happening? That's not the place to find out. <laughs> right. So, so, uh, so staying along those lines of what she just taught you, I'm going to speak to the singles now, and I'm going to give you 
um, eight suggestions in considering um, a spouse. Or you, uh, and I want you to really consider these things, um, and they're going to be in the form of questions. And these are the things that you need to ask, you need answer to answers to these questions to help you um, in actually choosing uh, the person that you're going to say yes to. And the first one is, what initiated your present relationship? And what I mean by that is, why did you get into a relationship with the person? Was it mutual hurt? You was it immediate need, or was it? Did you have common goals and visions? See, if you if you get into a relationship with somebody because both of y'all been hurt in the past, and uh, uh, his girlfriend walked out on him, your boyfriend walked out on you, then hurt people hurt people. So you're going to find yourself in a situation where you don't really have a healthy relationship, and that's the wrong reason to enter into it. If it was immediate need, in other words, you know, you're feeling icy, you're feeling alone, you feel like God left you, you have that need in there, you want to be loved and all of that, you're going to, and, if, and if that's the case, then again, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. There has to be some common goals and visions that were that drew you all together, you know, you know, uh, and, of course, being drawn by the um to, together by the Holy Spirit, but it has to be common goals and vision. You know, the, does the person want to settle down? Are they ready to be a spouse? You know, or do they want to build a family and build a, a life and a home together with one person? Are they are they prepared for the duration of this thing? And this is not just something they want to just test the waters on and see what it's like. You know. Then the second one is, uh, does your relationship have a fulfilling and satisfying balance? between serious exchange and fun time together. You know, do you have that balance? You know, can you enjoy each other's company and be serious when it's time to be serious? Or is your your boyfriend, if you will, always serious, you know, constantly watching you, you know, calling you all the time, never have uh, uh, any laughter, as she mentioned, you know, in the relationship. Oh, you know, just always serious to the point of almost being mean-spirited, you know, then you have those, that's something that you have to consider. You want somebody who can laugh with you. You want somebody who can enjoy you, who can have fun times. And when it's time to be serious, who's mature enough to know uh, how to be serious when it's time to be serious. All right. The third one is, question is, um, do they honestly enjoy the same friends that you appreciate and respect? You know, um, uh, uh, she mentioned um uh, uh, Chantel mentioned earlier in her life she had been in an abusive relationship. If you're with, if in a relationship with somebody who's possessive and who's controlling, they're not even going to want you to be around family nor friends. And so watch those people who you're dating and they have no respect for your friends, especially if your friends are godly friends and they are matured. Watch those people that want to pull you away from uh, your inner circle or pull you away from your family and have you all to herself, have you all to himself. Watch those people who don't want you to have anybody in your life other than that person. So you have to ask yourself, is this someone who can appreciate my friends, appreciate my family, uh, that have, or do they just want me to themselves, all right? And so then the fourth one is, is your interest in personal growth and self-improvement compatible with your own needs? Is that person's, you know, you're trying to grow and develop, um, you're trying to maybe um, launch a business, move forward in your career, get a promotion, and that person is still comfortable with just working at uh 
uh, a fast food restaurant fixing burgers, has no drive, don't want to go anywhere. And that can happen to anybody, you know, in, in transition. Maybe something happens in life where you just have to get a job wherever you can get one. But people who are like that, if they uh, see themselves successful, they may work there for a season, but they're going to push themselves to do to do greater things. And so, you know, the person that you're talking about settling, settling down with, um, taking on as your mate, does that person have the same drive for self-improvement or for succeeding in life, for growth you, that you have? Or Because if you don't, when you start growing and developing and moving and doing some great things in your life, that person is going to start speaking something to you that's going to try to dismantle that growth and then try to make you feel like, you know, you're, you try to make you feel as if you are thinking that you're better than him, better than her, or, you know, snooty, snobbish. Now, when I met you, you weren't like this. So you have to find somebody who has a desire to grow in life and who wants to develop and who wants to do more uh, with with his or her life. And then the next one is, do they mute the flow of your energy or do they help unleash your energy? You know, so you're trying to succeed or they doing something to push you into success, push you into that growth, push you into a better life, or they're trying to mute that, or they're trying to shut, you know, in other words, they're trying to shut it down, trying to uh, make sure there's no voice to you growing. That So they don't want to hear about you talking about growing and what you're going to do, and God's going to use you to write a book, you you know, and all this, because they try to snuff that out and put a silence to you, to, um, to that. And when people do that, what they're saying is, I don't want you, I, misery loves company, that's what they used to say in the old. So there's something in that person that is not uh, pushing them to grow, but it's also whatever it is, it's causing them to want to stop somebody else's growth in life. Um, the next one is, are you comfortable with their family? You know, I always tell people when singles, um, uh, when you're getting married, you're not marrying the family. You're marrying into the family through your spouse. You know, you you become a part of that extended family through the person that you're marrying. But you're only going to have one wife or one husband. You're not going to have all, uh, you know, a whole bunch of husbands and a whole bunch of wives because you're married. You're not marrying the family. You're married into the family through that person. And so the question is, are you comfortable with their family? You know, you don't want to be, I mean, you know, you you could but it you could be married to somebody whose family doesn't like you but it'll be hard you know you wouldn't want to be married to somebody and the family um is constantly talking about you saying ugly things to you to your face shoo-shooing when you're around they isolate themselves don't bring you into anything that they're doing they're very standoffish you know um uh, like that you got to take a look at all of that and say can I handle it am I going to be able to endure this because all of that is a part of it, and you have to say, okay, what is my how is my spouse going to handle his family not liking me or handle his family treating me a certain way? Because all of that's going to show up even in the dating relationship, not just when you get married. It's going to surface in the dating relationship. So how is he going to handle that? Or if you're a man listening, how is your future wife going to handle her family treating you a certain way? Is she going to step up and say, this is my husband and you will respect him? You know, what what decisions are you going to make regarding family if it's that intense? You know, uh, the dislike is that intense. Okay, and then number seven is, 
um, do you really have enough information about each other? And Chantel talked about that. you got to get enough information when you're dating somebody. Before you get married, you must ask enough questions. You know, we've been taught, you know, in the body of Christ about, you know, asking about credit reports and all that kind of stuff. That, I mean, you know, it could have something to do with character, but a person's credit score could, could you know, that credit score could be low because of, you know, maybe student loans. It could be uh, uh, low because there was um, a layoff on the job and the money flow stopped, and so they weren't able to do what they were doing initially. Money ran out. It could be a number of things. It's not necessarily the foundation or the element that you use to determine character. So you have to ask more. You have to go beyond just a credit report, you know, um, and, and what kind of bank account they have because, you know, an abusive man can have a bank account of hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions. That says nothing about character, how much money they have in the bank. So you have to get ask, find out some more information, do what she says, ask more questions. Ask, you know, when you're in that dating relationship and that thing starts turning serious, then, you know, um, the questions you asked initially in the dating uh, are going to be different than when the, when the relationship turns too serious. You now have to kick your questions up two or three notches. Your questions now have to be more mature. You have to ask more questions that can get, you know, that would take you and probe you into the inner core of that being. So before you make that covenant agreement that you realize what's going on here, because it may be something that they're dealing with that where you make a decision and say, hey, I love you, but until you get that straight, we can't make we can't come into that marriage marital co- marriage covenant. I want you to go work on that. I want you to go see somebody. Do what you have to do, but we can't take that over into the next level. We can't take that over into the one flesh uh, uh, act and all. We can't bring all of this in here. So you have to ask more questions, get more information on that person, and then the last thing uh, question is um, that you want to consider is what are your parents? honest feelings about the relationship, if your parents are still living or anyone, any of the elders, I call them, in your family that you trust, what do they honestly, what are their honest feelings about the relationship? If, you know, if your mom or your dad comes to you and they're talking to you and they say quietly and in in in, in, uh, in, in a uh, secret way or in a one-on-one conversation with you, if they start telling you some things that they are noticing, about that person's character, how they talk, what they're doing, the strategy that he or she may be using. Don't be so quick to dismiss it. And don't think, oh, they don't want to see me with her. You know, pay attention to it because I can tell you I have throughout my family, there are family members that they were to give their testimony, they were on this show and give their testimony, they would have to honestly tell you they missed it when they didn't listen to what some of the elders in the family were saying about the person that they were dating and about the one that they were actually about to get, you know, was thinking about or had agreed um, to marry. That if they had paid attention and listened to it and, 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 and slowed everything down, they probably would not have had the experiences that they had. They had unnecessary complications because they didn't want anybody getting in their business, didn't want nobody to tell them anything. It's really not about getting in your business. It's about saving your life. It's about keeping your life from being tainted and disrupted unnecessarily because you decide to connect with the wrong person and because the, the warning signs are right in front of you and you're so in love, and in some cases you're not in love. You're just strictly, you're just flat out in denial. You just don't want to believe it. You know, you see it all happening and you still do it. So I want to encourage you to write those down and to consider the answers to these questions before you make a final decision about saying yes to someone. Make sure you got 
some good answers and some godly answers um, to these questions as it relates to the person that you're thinking about uh, connecting with as your mate. It's really important because nowadays everything is a little different. You got all the internet stuff. You got even uh, Christians, you know, um, on the internet. Um, with uh, you have ChristianMingle.com. You know, you have uh, eHarmony. You know, so you have people. Even Christians are meeting through online dating. You know, and so I think you have to decide within yourself if that's appropriate for you. You know, if it is, you still have to conduct yourself with a spirit of integrity, spirit of honesty. You know, you still have to be a lady or a man, you know, the same way that you would do in person. You still have to have those same godly characteristics and qualities about you. But you have to be careful because it's so many different avenues that we have now where we're meeting people that we need to have godly discernment so that we'll know when a person is genuine and when they're not. And we have to be strong enough, ladies, that when we discern that a person is not genuine, he's not right, we need to have enough strength to walk away from that relationship. That's not the one. And you just wait until God brings the one that's for you across your path and into your life. Just wait. Don't rush it. Don't try to uh, justify it in any kind of way. Just say, well, okay. So that's why I said earlier uh, you need a really good uh, friend and a single brother in Christ. You need somebody who you can become really good friends with, who will have your back, who will say from the male perspective, he's not the one. If you're a man, you need a really good uh, sister, single sister in Christ who's a good friend, who can become a really good friend, who can speak into your life, just have a, go out and have a good time with. But also, when you if you start dating someone, they can see it, from that female perspective and someone who you trust, who you know will not just be saying something to you to hinder you and just to keep you from being happy in life. But if she says, wait a minute, I heard her say something on more than one occasion, slow down a little bit, that you're okay with hearing that spoken into your life and that you will actually slow down before you embark into, embark up in, uh, go into a relationship that you'll regret. You know, as she said, you know, they're trying to uh, impact you know, that divorce rate. They're trying to keep it down. And one way to keep it down is to be honest in the dating relationship, you know, if this, to be honest about what's really going on, who you're dating, what is he or she like, and is, is that person appropriate for your life as it relates to make making a covenant marriage commitment to. And if they're not, they're just not. And I think that in the body of Christ, if you're dating somebody um, uh, in a godly way and it doesn't, uh, that person is not the one that God has, God has for you. You there should be a way that you make the transition in those relationships without uh, uh, defaming anybody, without being disrespectful. You should be able to end those dating relationships with a smooth transition, with the same respect and uh, admiration that you had for that person, even while you were dating them. Because every good man or good woman that dates will not end up in marriage. And so you ha there has to be a way where you can um, date somebody. If it doesn't turn out uh, in marriage, you still should be able to honor them, respect them, and speak good and godly words about them. And you still should be able to cover them in prayer. I pray that God, that he will meet the one that God has for him. As I pray for myself, you know, it still should be a, tra a godly transition. And we still should be able to respect one another and be able to speak godly words over each other's lives. And so... Um, that uh, is my teaching. And before we wrap it up, I want to um, ask Gentel just two more questions that's very important 
everything is important, but I really want you to get this out to the audience. How can the listening audience get connected with you? Well, there's um, two ways. We actually have a uh, business number that I'm going to to share with everyone. And my husband and I, we are, um, like, you know, letting churches know and and marriage retreats know because we do do intensives as well as um, marriage retreats and seminars and to be able to, to, you know, get the word out and to to let everybody know the platform that God has, has placed on our heart. But our business number is 469-406-7355. And so if you receive the voicemail, leave your information, and we will definitely get back with you as soon as we can to uh, possibly do uh, like a seminar, intensive, or book signing. And uh, if you don't contact us by phone, we do have an email, which is johnsoninspirations at gmail.com. That is also another way that you can contact them. We're actually in the process of uh, developing our website once our book is actually uh, coming out in stores, which should be in about a month or so. So if you're interested when the book comes out um, to purchase a copy, you will actually be able to go to our publishing company's website, which is Tate Publishing, and order a copy from there. Or either if you want to order a copy directly from us, you can contact us at either one of those, the number or or as well as um, the email. Okay, and so give them um, the the email address again. Uh, Johnson Inspirations. At gmail.com. Is that with an S? Yes. Johnson Inspirations is with an S at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Um, and any closing remarks that you have that you want to share uh, with the audience? Well, like I said, we, we are indeed excited about um, what God is doing, in, you know, in our lives. And, and we really believe that what he's placing in our hearts is to be advocates for marriage, you know, it, it's unfortunate. You know, when you look at society today, you look at Hollywood. It's almost like marriage today is, it, you know, it comes across to some people as though it's a joke, and people don't really believe that their relationship can be successful. So a lot of people may choose to cohabitate or just, you know, they casually because they don't feel as though that. You know, if they marry someone that they can truly be with this person for the rest of their lives, that they can truly be happy within that relationship. You, you know, you have some people that, you know, just flat out say, you know, I I really don't respect marriages too much anymore because, like I said, you have so many people that marry today in less than a year, you know, oh, we, you know, we just don't see eye to eye anymore and they go their separate ways and they don't even try to put the true energy in, especially during those tough times. And so, you know, and we really believe that, you know, through our, our readers of our book that would give people a different mindset and a different way of thinking and how to cope with those negative issues and those negative um, situations that will arise and how to get through those things together as a couple. Because, you know, you, you often hear the, the statement, when it says, you know, you put fifty percent, I put fifty percent, yeah, <laughs> and it's un- and it's one hundred. No, that's not God's uh, numbers. It's you put one hundred percent, 
I put 100%. And if both people put in their whole and, and completely put in all of their effort to want to wanting their marriage to be successful, it can. And so, you know, I'm not going to come in half-stepping. I don't want him coming in half-stepping. And so you want to definitely have a, uh, a heart and, 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 and having that mindset starting from the dating, engaged, and then married, period. And so if people have that, that mentality going into the relationship, when those situations arise, you know what they say, you know what, you know what, yes, this may be difficult for us right now, but we're going to get through it as a couple. And something that, that my husband and I, a statement we always make, you know, we say it's, it's, it's us against the world. It's us against the world, and it's almost having this this uh, this invisible bond that people see. You know what? They have they have a strong bond. They are one, and that's what you want to portray to the world. And so it's like you're coming together to fight off the attacks. When I say the world, I mean the attacks of the enemy mm-hmm. coming against the, the things and the and the daily struggles and the things that that will attack your relationship. But when you come together, it's us against the world. I'm not going to leave you hanging out there on your own. And and I don't want to be left hanging out and trying to fend for myself. But you know what? I know that you have my back and you know that I have your back and that we're in this together. You're not in it alone. And for couples to have that mentality and, and have that mentality of oneness and not separate, you know, not being separated mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, but truly coming together as one. And I'm telling you, when that truly happens, when the people get to that level of intimacy where they they have that true commitment, it is such a beautiful thing. And then you have your children, they're able to see that example. And so what happens is that it it affects their relationship, and when they get married, they're going to carry that over into their marriage. And then the next thing you know, it's going to affect generation to generation to generation. And I really believe that that is one of the reasons why you know, we, we see this generational, you know, of, of, you know, having so much in society where you have, you know, um, broken homes and, and things of that sort. And then and then those children, they carry it over into their marriages. And it, and it goes on. It's an ever-ending cycle. And so by the grace of God, you know, my husband and I, we want God to use us to come against and break that cycle, break that, that generational curse of divorce on society. And to know that God, he ordained, that is the first ministry. That is the first ministry that God ordained was the ministry of marriage. And if that, that marriage and that home is is on a solid foundation, I mean, it affects society as a whole. And that's why a lot of, we have a lot of issues in society because they need to go back to the fundamentals. The yeah. fundamentals of men and women in their homes and then how they raise their children and, and so on, and it branches out. And so that's our that's definitely what our heart is in, in, in regards to that. And so that's that's the message and the mission we want to put out to the world, that there is hope for marriage and that there will be, by the grace of God, a dent in divorce to make a difference. We want to make a difference, and we want to see those percentages uh, of divorce rate decreasing it and the sad thing about it, you know, the percentage is just as high in the church. They have divorces just as high in, in, in the church with, with Christian couples. And so it's almost like you have to say, well, hey, something something something's missing. Some links and the thing is is that 
you know, just as people, you know, deal with those real topics and deal with those everyday issues, dealing with the roots, dealing with the hurts, dealing with the pains. And when all those things happen, that's when you'll find that each each person within the relationship will become complete within themselves and in their relationship with God and then coming together as a, a unit such as that, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And so that's definitely the main, one of the, I would say definitely the main message that we want to put out to people is that there is hope. There is hope. Don't give up. It will be ups and downs, but there is hope. And with God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen. So before we close, do you have any um, of your own maybe events or uh, things going on that you want uh, the audience to know about? Well, right now the um, the book is in the last phase. We're actually doing the final layout, and so we are beginning to um, talk with some churches to try to schedule. But we wanted to actually have the book out where people would have the opportunity to purchase. And so right now we are, like I said, if if um, if there are any churches that would desire for us to come out and speak mm-hmm. to their congregation, you know, we're definitely like I said to call us on our business line or either email us. And so um, we know that in three months when the book is officially released out to the public, we will be doing book signings in various mm-hmm. places. And, you know, and I do use the power of the Internet, and I put it on mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, and uh, and so that so as events come up and, uh, and if people want to come out and, um, and you know, uh, get a chance to, to meet us and, you know, get an autographed copy, you know, we definitely will be posting that up and, uh and so, but we're like I said, we're right now still in the initial stages. We're we're just trying to sign off on this stuff so they can go in and take it to print, so we get we can get it out to everybody. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. So I want to thank you so much for joining us um, on the show today. It has been a blessing. Um, and uh, certainly, I want to invite everybody in the chat room as well as listening by a phone to make sure. Uh, we're going to post um, their email address and um, their uh, contact information uh, again for you on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, all, on all of my pages on the social site. I want you to contact them and uh, purchase the book. I don't know, can they pre-order or are you waiting? Yes, they, yes, they can uh, pre-order. They contact us by uh, phone. We can make arrangements where they can be because we actually uh, pre-ordered books ourselves. So mm-hmm. we will have copies on hand to be able to sell so they can they can do this. And also I wanted I wanted to let you know that I, I know I shared with this I, I thank you so much for uh giving me the opportunity today. Oh, and bless I and you. I just wanna you know, tell you're you welcome. that and I mean and, and I mean and what you're doing and, and how God is using you, I mean, is so powerful and that you're such a blessing. And so I just wanted to share and just to let you know that I really appreciate it as well as my husband wants me to let you know he appreciates it as well. So we're very excited and I want to thank you. Thank you for that. Wonderful, wonderful. And you are welcome when the book comes out, just contact me. We'll do another show um to okay. help promote it. And um, and so since you are a native of Baton Rouge, we'll have to do something together. Either I come oh, to Texas okay. or you come back home, <laughs> or both. Yeah, okay, so, sure real. Yes, sure we real. can we can do some things together. And so um, so thank you. I'm honored that you um, uh, uh, recognize that in me uh, the, the the gifts and uh, that God is, is how God is using me. So I'm really honored to hear you say that. And so I just want to close out in prayer. 
and uh, definitely pray for you and the assignment on your you and your husband's life. Pray for the success of the book, um, and that um, you would be uh, God would do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could imagine or think when that book is that, that first copy comes off. And uh, and so um, we have um, and can you mention your if you don't mind because we have a lot of people who have been listening who have who have a desire to be authors. Women who want to be authors, and um, sometimes they don't know where to go to get published. And so everybody I talk to has been an author. You know, what's the name of the publishing company? Uh, we're actually through um, Tate Publishings, and, and, that, and the one reason why we chose them is because they are a Christian-based okay. publishing company. And, uh, and so if you would go on their website, Tate Publishings, and you know it, it tells they they tell their mission statement and and that was one of the main reasons why we we chose to to go in the direction with them and they they really work with you and in terms of because um, one one of the missions that uh, the the head person of Tate he said is that you know he knows that a lot of times you know as first time writers because like I said my husband and I were first first time writers and authors and so you know and just uh, going out and being branched out into that, the, the unknowns. And, you know, and he said that he found that a lot of times when people were doing it and they were going to some publishing companies, they were taking advantage of them. And so that was something yeah. that, you know, that God had placed in his heart that he wanted to have a foundation of integrity and that he wanted to be able to be that tool for, you know, uh, first-time authors to come in and um, and also you know to be able to help to to bring their books to pass and so that but but yes they could you can definitely look that up and they have a whole you know site and and you know if you want to present a manuscript you know you can do that as well and so um you can actually call and speak with a representative and they're very very eager to to you know talk with you and whatever questions you have and so we definitely we encourage people to. Uh, to actually look up their information and, and see if that's fit for them as, as authors. Right. Wonderful, wonderful. So uh, thank you so much. We're going to close out in prayer, and uh, I want to encourage you, let's just stay connected. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We love you, Lord God. We bless your name. Father, we're so humbled that you use us on this afternoon to minister to the people <clears throat> on um, this subject, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, and I bless your name. Father, I lift Chantel and her husband, Freddie, up to you. I pray, dear God, that whatever assignment that you place on their lives, that they go to impact the world, talking about marriages and preparing for marriage, Lord God, that you would open doors that no man can close. That, Father, when this book is published, that, Father, you are going to rest upon the book. And that, Father, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above anything they could imagine or think, Lord God, by the power of Christ working on the inside of them. Continue to keep them knitted together, Lord God. God, and allow them to be a catalyst, Lord God, of, t- of a teaching ministry that will bring change, Father, that would impact the lives of not only married couples, but those singles who are preparing for marriage, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that every word that they speak in a seminar, a retreat, a church setting, Lord God, maybe by another radio interview, Lord God, would be words that are on assignment, that, Father, that every word they speak will be assigned 
to a life, and that life will be impacted and changed. I thank you, Lord God, that the enemy, whatever the enemy is trying to do to block them, that the blood of Jesus has covered them, Lord God, and that it, that anything, any fiery darts, the shield of faith, Father God, will quench it, Lord God, that they are standing in faith, believing that they are walking in the assignment that you've chosen for their lives. I thank you for the connection, Lord God. I thank you, Father God, for every listener on the show this afternoon. I pray that if anyone is struggling in this area, that, Father, that they will reach out and make a connection and that they will go back and replay and listen to the nuggets, Father God, of teachings that went forth during this show. I thank you. I bless your name. I'm so humbled, Lord God, that you used me as a righteous a, a right, a instrument of righteousness to speak to your people and to speak to the world. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, Chantel, thank you so much for the interview, and um, I'm believing, God, that we'll stay connected. Amen. I, I'm really looking forward to that connection and, and continuing the connection, and, and so I, I truly thank God for you. I really do. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to the listening audience and to those that are in the chat room um, that remain. Thank you so much for staying. God bless you. God bless you. 